Holy Spirit, help us right now. And um, I bless this time in the name of Jesus. I pray that you would redirect us today, God. You'd help us to repent and to turn to you in whatever ways that we need to this morning. Amen. Scripture for today is from Luke 15. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read a section. I'm going to just talk a little bit. And then I'm going to break this into three sections, make a couple points. And then I'm just going to give you some time to talk about this at your table. So if it helps you to turn there, that's great. It might be helpful to, to open it up and then just to listen to the Scripture being read. Um, and then, yeah, we'll, we'll, um, we'll let you process it together. So um, <clears throat> I'm going to read the first couple verses. So I'm going to start in verse 1. This is Luke 15, and then I'm going to jump down to verse 11. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes grumbled, never a good idea, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. Verse 11, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. Now, many of you have heard this story before. Uh, obviously, this, we've got these two sons. The younger one asks for his inheritance. That is uh, a slap in the face if you were to do that to your parents right now. They're still living. Uh, and probably way even more so back then. Uh, we don't hear anything about the mother. It's interesting just to think about. Maybe you'll have an idea about that as you talk about this in a moment. Um, so the son asks for his inheritance and takes, up, takes a couple days to pack up and leaves, and then he just squanders it all. It says he, he went out and hired himself into one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. Um, an interesting kind of note, I don't know if this is in the footnote of your Bible, but that hired himself out, uh, another way to translate that is he joined himself to. So it's interesting to see in this picture, the son has just spent everything and he's, he, he, he joins himself to someone from this far off country. And just even in the language of that, uh, he's tending pigs, which means it's probably not someone that's part of the covenant community. And so he has joined himself to someone who is hurting these pigs, and uh, now he's, he's aligned himself with someone that is outside of the Jewish people. And it's interesting, uh, another just note is he essentially has become an animal, or less than an animal, right? and an unclean animal at that. He is, he is longing to eat what the pigs eat. He has become less than an animal, a beast. And so we see in this first scene, he's alone, 
He has nothing. He's lost his inheritance. He's lost his community. He's got no people. So there's an identity that's been lost, belonging, and any sense of significance. Verse 17. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will rise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring the fattened calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Couple notes. Interesting that it says he came to himself. This is the picture of what it's giving us of what repentance is. These last two weeks, we talked about the parable of the coin, and the week before that, the parable of the sheep, the lost sheep. And it says this, this whole shift happens when it says he came to himself. He has a, a, an honest acceptance of who he is and where he's at. Oftentimes, people that write about our spiritual journey talk about our journey to following Jesus is one of becoming truly human. When we align ourselves with the way of the world, when we join ourselves to, to that, we become like an animal, like a beast. But when we are uh, aligning ourselves and following Jesus, we are actually becoming our true selves, the person that God has created us to be and who sees us as that person. So repentance, this idea of repentance, of turning, as we saw in these other two parables, is really uh, an, an honest acceptance of who we are. And so that's with all of his failures, but then somehow when we accept those things, it opens us up to a turning to God. Now one more note here, um, and you've probably heard sermons on this, I don't want to belabor the points, um, but it's just interesting to note, obviously this picture of the father running to greet the son is an incredible window into the heart of God and who he really is. Jesus is the one telling us this story. The analogies in the parable are really clear, that the Father is, is Father God. And I just want you to hear that this is how God greets us every time we turn to him. As we said, obviously this, this parable is giving us a picture of this one-time event, but I don't think that's really how Jesus is calling us to see this. Every time a sinner turns and repents, which is often, hopefully, in our lives, Every time we turn to God, this is how he greets us. The first time in your day when you acknowledge him, this is his heart towards you. Even if it's at 7.30 at night and you haven't acknowledged him once during the day, this is the greeting. Even if it's been seven years since you've prayed, this is the greeting. This is always the way whenever we turn to him, right? In this honest acceptance of who we are, we're coming to ourselves and seeing him, this is his heart towards us. Every time. 
Now, you probably have heard this before. The father cuts off his speech. He doesn't get to say the last line that he rehearsed, which was, you know, take me as one of your hired men. And I think that's an important thing to see here about what repentance is, because this is what this whole section is about. Jesus is talking about this is how all of heaven celebrates every time a sinner repents, right? There's no groveling here. Repentance is just a turning to God. Yes, there's an honest acceptance of who we are, but the whole like, just, just, take, just take me back as a hired servant. Just please forgive me. Just all of that, it's just not even acknowledged. It's like, you know, the movie Jerry Maguire, which of course is rated R, so I'm not recommending that you watch that, but I have seen most of it, I think at least. You had me at hello. That's God's heart towards us. You, you had me at hello. All it takes is, is a greeting, a turning to God, and this is what we receive from him. Now, three other things I want to point out here. He puts a robe on him, which is a symbol in the ancient world of, of inheritance. He's restoring his inheritance. He puts a ring on his finger. It's a symbol of authority. Right? People would sign things with a ring, with wax. And he puts shoes on his feet. It's an identity marker. You're, no, you're not a slave. Slaves did not have shoes. They walked around barefoot. He's restoring his identity as a, as a son. And that is God's heart towards us. Anytime we repent, he's always speaking authority and significance. He's, he's always speaking our inheritance. This is what you have because of all the work that I have done in Christ. And this is who you are, a son or daughter of me. Last section here, okay? Verse 25, now his older son was in the field and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, look, these many years I have served you and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. So this is where Jesus goes for the jugular with the Pharisees. He's obviously making this analogy to these sinners and tax collectors he's hanging out with are this lost son and they are also lost but in a way that they don't see like like this older son um you know this this older son shows us there's there's two ways of being lost that are both self-serving uh we can earn things with God, like this older son, and do things. He says, I've always obeyed your command. I've been with you. Look at this other guy. He's comparing himself. And it's really a heartless obedience to get what he wants. Just a little bit of satisfaction, a little bit of fun with his friends, this kind of desire that he expresses that's not realized. Obviously, we have the, the, the version of the other son, the younger son. It's the same thing, right? He, he's ultimately after what he wants in life, and he just has a different way of approaching it. Now, uh, there's certainly a loss here for the older son. If this younger son is getting a robe back on him, 
then now he's getting a share of the inheritance, which has been greatly reduced because of the way that he has spent it all. So, you know, it's not all, it's not all just, you know, fun and games for this older son. There is, there is a sacrifice that's, that's, that he is making indirectly at this point. Um, but here's this last heart of the father. It's such an interesting phrase that's used here. He says, son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. And this is really an expression of what Jesus has accomplished in the gospel. Paul riffs off of this idea, right? When he says, he who, is, who he was given us his own son, how will he not also along with him freely give us all things? So in this passage, I think that the, the key component here for us to respond to is we need to, number one, see the heart of the Father that is always receiving us back with a, a Father that's going to run against all cultural norms to greet and to kiss and to cut the groveling out and put the robe and the ring and the shoes every time a sinner repents, right? Restoring us to this proper place of, hey, I am your Father. That is, that is who I am to you. You are my child. And secondly, to see that that applies to us whether we've lived a life of just, you know, casting off all of the commands of the Lord or have been trying to diligently keep them in both of these to just live a self-centered life to get what we want. God is welcoming them both back. He's calling the older son, son. He's, he's declaring identity even in this. You have to understand, like Jesus is speaking this to the Pharisees. He's declaring, you are always with me, Pharisees, and all that is mine is yours. The only thing you need to do to receive this is to repent, to turn to me and see yourself in an honest way as, this, as these sinners and tax collectors around me have, have seen. They are owning their own stuff, but they are looking to me. And they're getting really good at receiving. They're just coming to hear. And that's the role for us. It's believing, number one, the heart of God. And number two, our response to his heart is just a simple repentance, not a groveling. It's just a turning our face to God and receiving from him. Now, I want to say one more thing before you guys have a chance to process what I've said and what's in this passage. Um, and that is just a simple practice to receive the heart of the Father. I've shared this before a few years ago. It was a, a professor that I had that taught on prayer. And he said, hey, there's, if there's one thing you learn from this class on prayer, it's this. All the time, in every place, just say Father or Abba or Dad. Just repeat that. Let it lead you into conversation. Let it lead you into silence. Speaking that to God is declaring along with the Holy Spirit, who, is said, who Paul also says, our spirit says with the Holy Spirit, cries out, Abba, Father. Like that is what the Holy Spirit is longing for us to know is the heart of God to call him this affectionate and also sure respectful Abba. Right? It's when we call that out, we're, we're, we're surrendering. It's a, it's a position of you are the dad in this family. And so we're taking a posture of surrender. I will follow you. It's a declaration of truth that Jesus Christ, the incarnate Son of God, 
has brought us into the family of God, and it's a connection relationally with God as our Father. So just for those of you that are always looking for the practical thing, I would say, hey, try that for a month. Try it for three months and see what the Holy Spirit does as you cry out with him, as he is crying out along with you, Abba, Father. So, hey, I want to leave you with that. I want to give you a few minutes to talk about this. What has God been speaking to you from this passage or what I've said about the heart of God or about how we are called to turn away from a selfish life and repent? All right, go for it. We'll give you a few minutes and then we'll close, okay? And hey, feel free to pray for each other. I'm not going to direct you to pray. I'm just going to come up and give the benediction at some point. So you're welcome to pray at some point as the conversation uh, winds down, okay? All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give the benediction and just one closing thought. Um, there's a song, if I remember right, it says, everybody's living for the weekend. Where either you're the lost son squandering it all or you're the, you're the you know, high up there executive at State Street Bank. Like, it's the same thing. Like, life is not about just getting a calf to spend time with our friends. It's about our connection to our Father in heaven right? And so don't miss that. Don't live for the weekend and wish your days away. Engage with the Lord today. Cry out with the Holy Spirit, Abba Father, over and over so that you'll know his love and, and you'll realize that in Christ, everything that is his is already ours and he is always with us. So may you go with God. May you dream dreams. May you see visions. May you love deeply and may you know that you are deeply loved. Amen.